You are listening to The Limitless Podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Heron. What if you had no limitations keeping you from your dream life? In 2016, I had a major tug on my heart to write a book about my story. And in the process, I learned that I had been operating with a very faulty belief system for the majority of my life. I've had a huge transformation since then. And my life's passion and mission is to teach you how to live a limitless life. Join me on this journey. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Podcast. This is Deanna Heron, your host. As always, I am so excited to be with you on this Tuesday. And I just want to give you a, an amazing kudos for the week. I appreciate you and I'm so grateful that you are part of this podcast show. But more than anything, I appreciate the fact that you are growing and working on yourself so that you can become limitless in your impact. I want to remind you that my mission and passion is first and foremost to help women stand in their truth, the truth of who they are, who they are created to be, because we know that a woman who stands in her truth will become limitless in her impact. So welcome to the Women Warrior Series. I'm excited to share with you a special guest that I actually met from a dear friend of mine, and we we made a connection. We both are authors, and I had the great privilege of sharing a module with her with her upcoming book. I think it's already launched. Your book has launched. Yes. And um, yes, we just had such an amazing conversation. This woman has a heart of gold and you are going to enjoy her so much. So Kim O'Hara, thank you and welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so excited for you to share your gifts and talents with the audience. So I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and take it over. Thank you so much. That was such a generous introduction. And yes, I mean, I would say I do have a heart of gold. My teenage daughters may sometimes disagree, especially when I'm having one of those overextended, long, weak menopausal moments. But for the most part, I try to, um, you know, stay on the integritous side of life and 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 practice kindness. Um, and yes, we did meet uh, because my book launched uh, No Longer Denying Sexual Abuse, Making the Choices That Can Change Your Life in February. And you did come to my series, No Longer Abused, and shared your story so uh, eloquently and so vulnerably. And it was just an amazing, amazing experience. I'm a book coach in Los Angeles. I've helped 40 plus women um, and a few wonderful men uh, write incredible self-help, memoir, business books. And they've been on the Today Show, the Kelly Clarkson Show, Wall Street Journal, Top 10 Business Books, Amazon Number 1 and Barnes and & Noble Number 1 in nonfiction. So they do very well. But really what the crux is of my work is that they come to me with that. They've had that nagging feeling that they want to write a book. They want to tell the story. They have something to put out in the world and they just haven't been able to do it. Like you, Deanna, they live lives that are always moving, always going, always happening. They're like, how do I fit the book into the spaces that I have available? How do I fulfill my passion? And I help them to do that. I love that so much. I got full body chills when you were telling me all of the things that these these people were able to be a part of Kelly Clarkson show and how amazing I yes I I I wrote a book authored a book that went out in in 2022 
But I don't know if you know this statistic, but someone shared the statistic with me of how many women want to write a book and how many actually follow through with it. Well, it's Are you on my website. <laughs> Right on the top of my website, it says like 80, it's either 87 or 81. I haven't looked in a while, but it's 87 or 81% of people. I don't, it wasn't exactly women, but people want to write a book and don't. And don't. They don't. Yes. They just, they're baffled. They have no clue. And these are academia. These are people in academia. These are people that are CEOs of multi-million dollar businesses. These are smart, astute, motivated, organized people that just feel, you know, and then if you go deeper, more subterranean on the desire, it's just, they're just scared of what's going to come out. Like, you know, and then if you work with someone like me, I'm going to dig, I'm going to make you dig because there could be a better book than the one you've been thinking about alone for the last 20 years. There could be something even better. And are, are you ready to do that? Oh, amazing. So amazing. So you guys, if that has been on your heart, I just want you to reach out to Kim and because she can really help you with that process. I didn't know the process and I just started writing the book and then you know, ended up, you know, figuring the process out, but having you would have been absolutely life-changing. And I, I will tell you what kept me from writing the book for so many years was that, that fear It was overwhelming fear. And, um, you just have to start. So I just wanted to give that plug to you because yes, um, it would be so helpful to have, that amazing book coach. And I know that you you are the one. Thank you. I also think, you know, probably your sobriety helps you to stay on task. You know, we know rigorously one day at a time, if we don't drink or use, there are many hard things we can also do. And I think that that's like a plus in being able to do the work because, you know, I'm not saying the people that come to me are, are like all drugs that can't do the work, but I'm just saying that, that having that rigorous sobriety is helpful in getting that task done. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So welcome to the Women Warrior Series. And I reached out to you because you truly are a warrior. And I really felt like the audience could use what you have to share. And I know that you're going to touch so many lives. So where this warrior series came from is something that hangs on my wall. I think Brene Brown made it popular and it's um, a poem by Theodore Roosevelt. And I just want to read it really quick. This is a reminder for me to stay in that arena and get back up and fight the fight. So it says, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end, the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat. So beautiful. So I would love for you to share your 
arena moment. I know we've had many arena moments in our life, but I'm mm-hmm. sure that there's one in particular that you would like to share. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to still go with the one that came up when you first mentioned this to me a while back. And it's a real tough one to talk about, but I am going to talk about it in case there's another woman out there that needs to hear it. Um, you know, I wrote the book I wrote because I was sexually abused as a child and didn't really come to terms with it till I was 42 years old. And then, you know, went into therapy. And as I talk about in my book, there are unexpected developments within that recovery period. um, And some may blindside you. So my arena moment was I was about a year into therapy for the sexual abuse and, you know, the denial and repressing it and all that. And I had needed an appointment with an OBGYN for, uh, there had been some abnormal cells in the cervical area. And I was told that I need to go do, I believe it was called an endometrial scrape. I I can't a hundred percent remember. I've kind of black, blacked it out, but, um, I remember going to this appointment and the minute I went totally alone, I think I fit it in between like, you know, work and something with my kids. It's like what we do when we're, you know, been, been abused. We don't take good care of ourselves and our bodies as we're recovering. We learned to do that. But at this point I did, I had not understood that. And I knew the minute I walked into the room where the procedure was going to be done and I saw this table of like tools, medical tools, and she had terrible bedside manner. She was not warm. She wasn't like, you know, I think she didn't know what she was dealing with, to be honest, you know, so it's not all on her. And I had an all body no to doing this. And I just stayed silent. And I didn't say anything. And I didn't, I didn't say, you know what, today might not be a good day for this stuff is coming up for me. I'm not sure. I didn't think about being invaded. I didn't think about the triggers. And of course it ended up being horrendous, not because those procedures hurt particularly a lot is just because of the medical invasion. I barely got out of there. I almost passed out in the hallway. They gave me some juice. I made it down in the elevator. I remember just praying the whole way down in the elevator that I didn't black out, vomit, or have a nervous breakdown with these people in the elevator. And I got to my car and I called my therapist and I cried like nobody's ever cried before for an hour in the car with her. I could not, I had so much built up body shame and body memories had been triggered by this procedure, I was blown away. So what does one do after something like that? I think that you asked, you know, what does one do in terms of lessons and what do you learn? And from that day forth, there was not a single procedure that I ever went to that I didn't ask many questions, that I didn't bring another woman with me to be by my side. Um, if I felt anything come up, that was that same setting. I went to get an IUD a year later and within seconds knew this was not going down and, and just completely stopped the procedure and never, never got an IUD. There's certain things that we aren't just maybe aren't going to be able to surmount in this lifetime recovering from abuse. But what I did work on was how, if I need a medical procedure that is dire, am I going to set myself up for success? So I feel like I'm taking care of my body, I'm safe, and it's not connected to the abuse. Yeah, so important. And and I want to just circle back to that 
that one particular point because you you said you got that full body mm-hmm. no. Yes. And you know, so many times I think as women we don't sit with that feeling and acknowledge and trust ourselves and we trust the medical professional and I'm not saying anything about medical professionals because it could happen when you're in the grocery store it could happen when you're in your car it could happen when you're having a conversation with someone but that that full body no we have to learn to listen to that because it's always right it's right it's true yeah and it's we it's true I've been in that situation so many times, you know, it keeps me from acknowledging my truth is the fear of what the other person is going to think. Right, right. And being like, being ashamed, like, oh, we're overboard or we're being overdramatic or jumping to conclusions and it's not trusting. I think it was so early in my recovery today, almost 10 years later from that, I do not. There's no way you're coming anywhere near me with any kind of object or anything in any medical space. I did have a situation with a a dental work um, during the pandemic that threw me for a loop. I hadn't been, I hadn't had any dental work since I had gotten sober and since I had entered this recovery period. And the needles, they had to put so many shots in my mouth that I, I did almost um, have a slip in my, um, I, I guess I'd say I did have a slip in my sobriety because I tried to uh, get some Valium from the dentist. And the dentist was like, I don't, we don't give out Valium. <laughs> we only give out Tylenol. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like hustling the dentist for drugs. Like this is really bad. <laughs> So we, and then we grow, we grow, we go, okay, like there's more to learn. There's more to do. No shame. And I tell that story all the time for anyone that feels like they're supposed to be there, there, like recovered. We're always in, we're always in recovery. That's the best part of life. It's like, what can I learn about myself today? What can I be like? Wow, that I still have some maneuvers in me, you know? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it is, it's just a learning process, but I, just learning to love and trust ourselves That's right. in, in, in that moment, Yeah, in that moment yeah. is, is so powerful. Yeah, it's very true. And if we don't tell these stories, then, I mean, what's the origin of me too? You know, if we don't tell these stories, then we don't have other people go, oh my God, that's exactly what I, what I feel. <clears throat> I write a column now that's three times a week um, called the inner circle. And I call it the dumpster fire of human fragility, because that's literally what it is for me when I sit down and write. It's what has gone on in my mind on that day that I am so sure someone else is experiencing that they do not know how to communicate. I have the gift of communication on the page. I love to write. I can sit down and write for hours. I can write stuff fast. My brain thinks really fast. My brain goes to my fingers really fast on the computer. And so I'm able to share that in a column three times a week. And it, it, it's, it's such a blessing. It really is to use your, your greatest gift, whatever that may be, to help people out in the world. Yes. That is a gift because I don't have <laughs> I'm fully aware at this point at 53, I'm like, okay, I'm finally acknowledging it is a gift. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, because I have to sit. What am I going to write about? What am I going to write about? So that's pretty cool yeah. that that's your gift. 
Yeah. So through that experience, you learned, obviously you learned to listen to that full body. Yes or no. Yeah. What else did you, what else have you learned through that experience? Just having a voice and speaking up and saying, this isn't okay for me. I think that the area that that's been the lightest, uh, or let's say the slowest progression has been in romantic relationships. I have really struggled to understand when something's just not working or something's just not right. I think, well, let's just keep going because I want to be the one that just like is loyal and sticks. And I've had to um, get really clear on that and, and, and write intentions and stick to red flags as real and trust myself that if I, you know, I'm a Christian woman and I am a new Christian woman, I've been divorced twice. And if I want to do this right this time, and when I mean right, I mean, find somebody who's in as much integrity to be in a partnership as me, then I have to start noticing if something's just not right. Like I could go out with somebody three times and they're fine and they're sweet, but I just know it's not right. In the past, that would have become like a three or four month monogamous relationship. I don't have time for that anymore. I've done my exploration. I'm done exploring. Like I want to, I'll know my person. Yeah. So those red flags are a lot like full body yeses and nos. Um, but let's speak to that for just a minute, because I know that there's a lot of younger women that are listening to this podcast great, as well. Great. And those red flags in a relationship, we notice them, but somehow we think, oh, well, it'll get better. Yeah. Or I'll teach him. They will change. Yes. Yes. If they love yes. me, they'll change. Right. If they see how amazing I am, they'll change. Yes. Or we, th or we think that there will be something that will get better in the relationship that, that we can help them, you know, change. Has that ever happened in any relationship? <laughs> I have a note in my desk. I want to say what exactly it says. It says, it's literally here on my desk. It says, I'm done with the healing men train. <laughs> I'm off. The train has been parked in the station forever. I'm not here to, I'm it. not here to heal, heal men. I no. am done. I am such an empath. I'm such an intuitive. I would see, I would find broken men. You know, I just, I can't, I don't have time. I am too busy healing me. I'm too busy spreading the word to like women and young women, abuse survivors. If someone's an abuse survivor, that's great. I don't necessarily need to have a romantic relationship with you. Um, and I think that you, if you see, if somebody, if you say to, it, let me just put it this way, what somebody says and does in the first sort of time you meet them, that's who they are. That's literally who they are. How you feel literally the first time you see someone or have an experience with them, that's real. You have to trust that. We're so much more intuitive than we know, but then we believe there's no possible way and we're also impatient. So we want what we want and we want it now because we want to get it off the list. Getting a romantic yes. relationship off the list is is not the way to go. Yes. <clears throat> Yeah, but we don't trust we don't trust our ourselves. We don't trust our own feelings and emotions and that intuition. So when you guys I really want you to understand this when you hear when you feel that red flag or you see that red flag, trust it. Yes. 
because it doesn't go away. It actually gets a lot it worse gets, because when you, yes, sorry, yes, yeah. because when you first meet somebody, they're on their best behavior, <laughs> and if there's if there's red flags, run now, run, just go ahead. And, in, in the relationship. <laughs> right. And the reason why is like, I laugh about this because I've, I found other women that have d- done this. I'm a very safe, pretty, I'm a pretty rational woman. And I let a relationship with many, many red flags go too long. And I ended up like practically stalking this person. I've never been a stalker in my life. I wouldn't, a stalking's dramatic, but Showing up where they su- supposedly say they live, I mean, we become crazy. I don't have t- it, it again. That was a huge. I was like, what? What am I doing? My friends are like, that was probably not a good idea. I was like, yeah, tell me about it. That was a big oh my god moment. I'm much calmer now. <laughs> But it's so true. It's so true. We just get caught up in it. Yeah, and we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't stalk it's, anyone. It's, in, it's not a good idea. Don't, <laughs> don't stalk and run from the red flags. So those are those are great points. But I do love your train. Get off the heel. I'm not. I'm no longer on the healing men, men, men train. train. I'm off. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we can't yeah. love men. That doesn't mean we can't have beautiful relationships that are chivalrous and also where we're, you know, autonomous. It's it's just a different approach to loving you first and then finding someone that could be in that space with you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And really knowing what you want. That's something that I teach a lot of women in my coaching program is what is your value? So what is that relationship and love value? What does that look like? What's your ideal scene for that relationship? Meaning what are the characteristics of the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with? Mm-hmm. And don't negotiate that. No that's, negotiation. That's yes. Yeah non-negotiable. So if you're crystal clear on what those love values are, what you want that person to Mm -hmm. be, you get to decide. You do. And so that's super helpful because you can actually draw that person, that right person into your life when you know, know what you want. That's right. But so, so beautiful. I love love (laughs) this. Wasn't supposed to be like a dating podcast. What happened? It's amazing. (laughs) I love how we're going there because it is so important for so many people to know. And we do sacrifice ourselves a lot of times to have a romantic relationship. We do to find our other, to find our other. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So, what other tips would you share through this experience? You shared a few with me when we were talking through this topic. And one of them that I just loved that you shared was you are support for other women in this situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In terms of the uh, medical stuff or any of it, any of it, any of it. it. I mean, you know, I slowly over time have been telling my story and, you know, through my book, I talk about the journey that one goes through, through from any kind of abuse. I mean, it doesn't have to be sexual. It could be mental. It could be psychological. It could be emotional. It could be physical, but it's, it's, it's the process of finding your voice. And you were with me on that module where we talked about your new voice. Um, from that, you start to tell people, you start to find yourself, you start to find your spirituality, you start to find who you are. And I would say the best advice is always be curious and always be willing to explore and really have a sense of humor about yourself. I mean, 
really have a sense of humor. I know when I wake up in the morning, my mind is generally out to get me. And even if I wake up and I feel good about the night's sleep I had and the day I have ahead, there is a critical part of me that will try to find something that'll indicate in some way that I'm going to fail, that I'm not doing the right thing, that I'm not saying the right thing, that I'm not following the right path. And it's really important to shut that down and make sure the action steps that you're taking every day are in integrity with that life you see yourself living, right? Like be in the present moment. I think Wayne Dyer like talks about like, you just have to be in the intention of what you want to be and all your other actions will definitely show up to lead you there. Yeah, I love that so much. And it's so true. We have to embody what we want. Um, thank you for saying that about you wake up in the morning sometimes and that that critical mind starts <clears throat> because it is so true. You know, you don't wake up every morning joyous, regardless of if you had an amazing sleep or not. There are sometimes, and and I had that voice this morning, and I just have to go, we're not going there right. today. Right. Right. We, not today. We're not going. Yeah, not no, today. Not, it's not, not today. it's not worth it. I still get panic attacks and there's some days I'm disappointed. I'm like, okay, this should be over by now. They started around when I got sober and 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 faced the abuse. And I know that those attacks are because there's some part of my brain that has told me I'm not safe. I'm going to go out in the world in some way. And I have realized, because I've done so much work on myself, it could be something as small as I really should have gotten my roots dyed in time for that date I'm having on Friday because they're not going to love me because I'm going to look like a woman who doesn't dye her hair roots. That narrative is really detailed. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then I have to look at the mirror that I argue about it. I go, it could just look like a look like I'm a multi-colored like hair person. They don't know. Then I'm like going through the dialogue. Do I have to explain to them about my hair? And then I just finally go back to the game plan. This is so small, but I hope this helps some woman. I have made a hair color appointment for the middle of May. So it lasts through when I'm in France in June. If I do it now, I will have roots in, in France. I don't want roots in France. I'd rather have roots now. But I'm questioning that decision, which is also a financial decision. It's very expensive to go, I'm brunette, to be blonde. So all everything makes sense. The way I scheduled it, the way I planned it, the way I organized it. But my brain will decide, let's mess with her and have her really think about her clear decision. And I could say, the way you handle your hair roots is the way you handle everything. Look at that. Be like, I made a decision. It was really clear. I put it on the calendar. I would say, a guy comes along or a client doesn't hire you. And suddenly you're like, maybe I don't know anything about what I'm doing. So you have to recenter. Exactly. You have to recenter even yeah. in the tiniest things, the tiniest yes. things. Yes. Because the, the underlying limiting belief with, with everyone is I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. And I'm, I'm, I'm abandoned or I'm not safe. So we all, we all tell that story in a different, different way, depending on what our trauma was, but yeah, it's a worth issue. It's a not enough issue. It's an abandonment issue. Um, it's an, I've made know, the so wrong decision. Like I've made the wrong decision. I don't know what's going on. I, and I'll tell you where that comes from. When you're sexually abused, you have no idea what's going on. 
and no adult is talking to you about it. So your inner child, so you make adult decisions. Now that we're adults, you make an adult decision. And then at some point, your inner child goes, I don't really know if we know what's going on. I think we're in, I think we're in trouble. I think this was a bad decision. I don't think you made, and you've got to quiet that inner child and say, we've made a really good decision. It's going to be okay. I see you. I hear you. I understand why you're scared, but we've got this. Yes, 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 yes. When that voice starts in the morning and I just Mm -hmm. say, you know what? We're not going there. And I just start breathing life over myself. Just the affirmations. You're enough. You are wanted. You are so powerful. You are wise. And I just breathe the, you know, say those over and over into myself before I recognize, yeah, that is my truth. Those other things are not my truth. This is my truth. That's right. And, you know, sometimes it gets me out of the funk for the rest of the day. Sometimes it's five minutes. That's right. And you have to do it all over again. Sometimes it's all day long until you go to bed. Sometimes I go to bed and I go, oh my God, thank God. (laughs) You know, and then some days I wake up and I have no issue. It's just perfect. Right, right. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had those days? And I'm so glad that you shared that because so many women believe, you know, successful women, authors, you know, they have it all together and, you know, they just, they don't ever have any struggles and it's not true. And that's why I wanted to start this podcast. And that is why I'm doing the Women Warrior Series is to bring truth to, yes, the mind and the, and, and the things that we tell ourselves that are not our truth. Yes. So yes. thank you for being so, yes. so vulnerable. I, no that. problem. I, that kind of came from, I fell down a rabbit hole last night on Instagram of watching some someone's profile who I will not say their name, but it's a very high profile women leader, uh, kind of in the coaching, kind of in like the, you know, you can be more than you can be space. I could not find one post where this woman was like, without her perfect hair, without her perfect makeup, without, and I am not shaming her at all. I got, she gets to do, God bless her for doing that every day. But I just wanted one post, one where the, her, like, inner, I don't know, just human. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I unfollowed yeah. her because I couldn't find any authenticity. Yeah, so true. People are wanting that. They're wanting the truth. They're wanting to see you in your real life and your struggles. So thank you for being vulnerable to share that. Um, because when when one person does that, it gives us permission to do the same. That's right. So, so beautiful. Any last minute tips that you would like to share? Oh, well, let's see. Um, you know, I think that one thing that's always worked for me in my life any, any time, any phase, any decade I've been in, when it's my 20s, 30s, 40s, into my 50s, is that at the end of the day, we're here on life to have fun. And we get so serious and so caught up in everything we've got to fix about ourselves and everything we have to know and all the money we have to make and all this stuff. I now get, when I get super grumpy or irritated, I look and go, have I, like, have I done anything like fun? I mean, I do have, I'm of of service to my children all the time because they're at that age where they're just got a lot going on and I have to drive them a lot of places. And there's some days where I just feel like a pocketbook and a chauffeur and I just am like grumpy. I'm like, this is fun. You know, (laughs) I'm not having fun. And I'll figure out something fun to do. I'll be like, let's just go to the movies. Let's go get some cookies. Let's, you know, I'm going to do this like super weird sound bowl thing on, you know, YouTube. 
And it just brings me back to like, I'm a human being on this earth who's here to enjoy myself. So I would say, enjoy yourself. Yes. Great reminder. And you are fun. (laughs) Just doing this podcast with you. I am fun. You make me laugh. (laughs) You are so fun. Yeah. And that's something that's so invaluable. Sometimes we get so caught up in the to-do list Mm -hmm. that we forget we're here to live life and enjoy the moments. And that's such a good reminder for me too. So, so thank you for that. Thank you for having me. So Kim, how can people get in touch with you? I know I will put your information in show notes so everyone can see that, but Instagram, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. I'm Kim O'Hara coach on Instagram as a book coach. And I am Kim O'Hara Books on Instagram as an author. I also have a column on Substack, which is kimohara.substack.com. And I write three times a week. And so you can get a lot of, uh, you know, more humor, more more shocking humor. Um, And my website's Kim O'Hara. That's O-H-A-R-A.com. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You, like I said, just such a bright, bright spirit. And yes, just love being with you. If we could do a talk show together, it would be killer. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) You'd be like, well, this is how it would look. Okay. You'd come in, you'd have a plan. It would all be executed beautifully. (laughs) I'd go off on some tangent. You'd be laughing. Then we'd have to recover. it would work. It would work. It would so work. work. This is so much fun. So thank you so, so much. I'm just so honored to be in your space, truly, and honored to have met you and just to be a part of of your genius and what what you are creating and the legacy that you're leaving for so many women just for standing in your truth. Back at you. I just love everything you're doing for the women that are in your world. Thank you so much. So you guys, thank you so much for joining us again and go and follow Kim. What an amazing woman she is. You can tell she just has a lighthearted spirit, but so much knowledge and so much vulnerability that she will share with you. She will love on you and so much that you can learn from her. So I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless everyone. I'm honored to have you as part of the Limitless community. If this podcast has added value to you, I'm going to ask you to do two things for me. Number one, share it with your family and friends. And number two, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Deanna Heron. I always love hearing from you. If you would love more about what's happening in the Deanna Heron world, you can go to DeannaHeron.net, subscribe to my email list, or even be a part of my private Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.